You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Once you're in a negative thought spiral, it's very, very hard to change your thoughts. But you can go and do other things that make you focus more on the physical or the spiritual and just know that that negative thought spiral will pass after a certain period of time. Take a bath, call a friend, go for a walk, read a magazine, have a square of dark chocolate. I mean, really, really tiny things. But I also have a rule with myself, which is that if something bad happens and I do feel upset or anxious or worried, It's okay to feel like that for a day or two, but then you have to pick yourself up and move forward positively again. On today's Unwind with Wisdom, we are relaxing with Dr. Tara Swart, who is one of my favourite neuroscientists and the best-selling author of The Source, a book that breaks down the science behind manifestation. You may have already listened to our full episode on this, but I do recommend checking the episode out because it was one of the most listened to episodes on the podcast so far. Dr. Tara researches and teaches thousands of people around the world on how to achieve mental resilience and peak brain performance. But today we are talking about the power of rest and how it's an essential component in supporting our brain our dreams and helping us live the life that we want to. But rest is something that we often feel so guilty about. Rest is something that we deprioritize. And when we do so, it hurts us so greatly. And so it was a pleasure to dive into Dr. Tara's wisdom around rest and recovery. Dr. Tara, what's your relationship with rest and how has it changed over the years? Well, basically, I'm like a cat. I can literally go to sleep anywhere, anytime. I love sleeping. My bed is my favorite place in the whole world. And I put a lot of effort into making it exactly how I want it to be. I'm a big fan of napping. But I also think, you know, from the neuroscience point of view, rest is is that good quality, adequate length of sleep overnight. And then separately, there are brain benefits from napping. But what I've really become into I guess since the pandemic more so is just having like downtime where you just be and you're not doing something all the time like even when we go for a walk we listen to a podcast and I try to just do more of just actually like resting and maybe thinking about how I'm feeling today and I also consider things like at six o'clock when I start like chopping up vegetables and everything and I do that mindfully and I eat mindfully. Those also to me are forms of rest from the busy switched on kind of technology driven lives that we have. What is happening in the body when we allow ourselves those moments? And I guess specifically in your expertise, what's happening or what do we allow our brain to feel in moments of rest? So I'll break that up into two or three sections. So the central nervous system is the brain and spinal cord. And then the peripheral nervous system is all the nerves that go from the spinal cord to every muscle, every skin dermatome, every organ. 
And there's an important component of that called the autonomic nervous system, which controls involuntary responses in our body, like our heart rate, our respiratory rate, our digestion and things like that. So one thing that's going on in the brain is that when we move from being very switched on to kind of more in rest mode, that we're more likely to be moving away from the stress hormone cortisol to the bonding hormone oxytocin, where we, you know, we feel warm, we lower our guard, we're more trusting, the kind of feeling that you get from a hug or a nice warm bath or something like that. And then in the autonomic nervous system, it's about moving from the sympathetic state, which is the fright, flight, fight, to the parasympathetic state, which is literally known as rest and digest or rest and regenerate. So that's where the rest element comes in for the body. Why do you think we struggle with rest? Why do you think that for many people, and I say this including myself, it has to be a real conscious decision to unwind because my natural state would want to carry on going. I think that's such a reality in the modern world. And, you know, I'm sure that technology has made that more the case. We can pretty much work across every time zone if we want to. Mm. I always take things back to our evolutionary wiring. Because people do actually say to me, why do we have to rest? Why do we have to do mindfulness? We didn't do that when we lived in the cave. But when we lived in the cave, we walked barefoot in nature all day. We sat around the campfire at night. We looked at the stars in the sky. We spent quality time interacting with our, you know, our tribe. And it's very easy if you're not careful, like you said, to be conscious of it, to just not do any of those things. And that's not good for our mental health. The mental health benefits, well, mental and physical health benefits of spending time in nature. And then I'm sure we'll get into this, but, you know, all the horrible statistics about what happens to you if you don't sleep enough. Absolutely. It is interesting, the evolutionary change. And in a way, I think we're at this cultural movement back to finding these moments of caveman delight that has been taken away from us almost involuntarily. What's one habit you've cultivated in your life that has had the biggest impact on your health and happiness? There are so many, but one really like came to the front of my mind when you said that, which was breathwork. So during the pandemic, I felt like there were a lot of things that we should be doing first thing in the morning. Like you should do your stretching first thing in the morning. You should do your meditation first thing in the morning. You should do your breathing first thing, journaling. And it was just like, okay, how many things am I supposed to do first thing in the morning? And I came down to the one that I felt was the most important. That was when I wake up, but I'm still in bed that I would just do like, whether it was 20 deep breaths or box breathing. And more lately where I felt like quite a lot of physical tension, just breathing into those areas of tension. And what I found as a result of that was that it really like unblocked stuck thinking as well. And I can't explain that scientifically, but when one of the people who works for me said, I'm just feeling really, really stuck and I've tried everything, like emotionally stuck, what should I do? I said, well, this is what worked for me. And she said it was helpful. So it's interesting, you know, you do something you think for your body, but then it has a knock-on effect because of that incredible connection between the brain and the body. That's such good advice. Just breathing into those tense areas of the body, what a simple mm. but effective tip. If you wouldn't mind, we would love for you to share your chosen passage from a book with us. Okay, so it is from The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. And this is the passage that I really liked. This is why alchemy exists, the boy said. 
so that everyone will search for his treasure, find it, and then want to be better than he was in his former life. Lead will play its role until the world has no further need for lead, and then lead will have to turn itself into gold. That's what alchemists do. They show that when we strive to become better than we are, everything around us becomes better too. Why was this your chosen passage? I love the book, The Alchemist, and I think I've always been interested in the idea of alchemy because my PhD was in neuropharmacology, and I feel like that is the scientific half of the coin of what alchemy is the spiritual side of. And as you know, since my book came out, I've been much more confident about merging science and spirituality. It also relates to neuroplasticity, which is my main area of research. And what that means is that your brain has the ability to grow and change at any age, any stage, any mindset. And so if you feel that in a way you've become like lead or your life has become like lead, what neuroplasticity says is that it's possible for you to become gold. And I, I love that idea of becoming your best self, but also the last line of that passage, which is when you become your best self, then everything changes around you. And I, I've seen that so much because with friends and family and clients, but also personally, we've all had our ups and downs in the last two years. And I know that every single time I decide to like modify my mindset and try to be more positive and think that the best thing's going to happen, it literally happens like within a day. I'm interested because more people than ever are seeking this information, are desperate for change. And when you say, okay, when I really focus on being more positive, something changes in 24 hours, practically, what does that look like? Because I think I'm sure every single person listening has a situation in their life that does feel a bit stuck. Mm -hmm. And then they're worried about moving into toxic positivity. And mm -hmm. so they want to be realistic about a situation that could just be really, really difficult. How do we use this information? How do we alchemize our life in an effective way that feels genuine and authentic and not us moving into spiritual flight? I'm really glad you raised the point of toxic positivity because it's definitely not about that. I would say I have so many small examples, but they could be something like the way I'm worried that somebody's going to behave towards me or talk to me. Mm. Or it could be like a financial thing that could or couldn't happen. Or it could be a piece of work that I might or might not get. Or it could be, you know, even really small things like how people might react to an Instagram reel or a podcast episode. Because the natural gearing of our brain is to avoid loss, it's very easy to fall into the idea of, oh, they're not going to like it or, you know, they're going to make my life more difficult or I'm not going to like make enough you know as I need to but all I do is I just shift that and I kind of either say like is that a fact or maybe it will work out for the best or I'm going to be like as just like open and honest and nice to that person as I can be and then you know how they behave is down to them but whenever I've done that when there's potentially a tense situation coming up the person's turned out to be like 10 times nicer than I like thought they would be you know, if I've ever worried about financial things, then toxic positivity would be to say I then got a million dollars. Well, no, I never got a million dollars when I've worried about it. But, you know, I've either got that corporate talking gig for like whatever X amount of money or I've got a new coaching client or, you know, a piece of consulting work for a certain price. So it's 
I actually think I'm particularly, you might be like me as well, because, you know, I sort of was brought up with that, like, you have to get 10 out of 10, you have to be top of the class, you have to like, uh, get a great profession. And I think that really feeds this constant worrying that you're not going to live up to that. And that things that feel out of your control will hinder that. So I always just bring it back to the only thing that I can control is my own emotions. And I will take full responsibility for that. And honestly, a lot of the time when you do that, good things happen in the world. But if they don't, I've also said to myself, I can roll my sleeves up and make this better somehow. And maybe it will make sense later. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. And what are your thoughts on using distraction as a form of alchemy in the sense that, okay, I'm going to take myself off and do something completely different in order to, like in the story, you know, that change that led to gold? So I, for me, that feels like it relates to my list that I used to have, which is now, you know, I've embedded it, so I don't need to go and actually look at the written list. But I used to have a list of things to do when you're feeling really negative. You know, that was at a sort of stressful time of my life because I, you know, believe like what you've just said, which is that once you're in a negative thought spiral, it's very, very hard to change your thoughts, but you can go and do other things that make you focus more on the physical or the spiritual and just know that that negative thought spiral will pass after a certain period of time. So my list had things like take a bath, call a friend, go for a walk, read a magazine, have a square of dark chocolate. I mean, really, really tiny things. But I also have a rule with myself, which is that if something bad happens and I do feel upset or anxious or worried, it's okay to feel like that for a day or two, but then mm. you have to pick yourself up and move forward positively again. And most of the time, I can limit that to a two-day period. Not all the time, but most of the time. <laughs> A friend actually was telling me about a spiritual text that talks about allowing three days of deep grief and then picking yourself up. And it's an idea that's been around for thousands of years. And I and I really appreciate you actually sharing with us today about just allowing that window to truly sink into whatever emotion you are feeling. Yeah, I actually hadn't heard of that spiritual text. So I kind of made that rule up for myself. But I'm really glad to hear that it's something that's been around for a long time. What is a song that has had an impact in your life and in particular, any lyrics? Yeah, so I don't know if you know this, Poppy, but I've actually co-written a song that's just been released. No way, I didn't know this. This is so exciting. Tell us all about this. Basically, I launched a podcast called Reinvent Yourself with Dr. Tara, which is very much along the lines of what we've discussed, neuroplasticity, alchemy, changing your life kind of thing. And my studios in Oklahoma City created two pieces of original music to go with that. And then when I was out there working with them, we spent a day in the music studio and we, we created the lyrics for the second song, which is called Carry On. So the first song is called Heartbeats and it's the background music for my podcast. And then Carry On is more about the guest's emotional journey. And I think if you listen to it, 
It could obviously be about grief because a lot of people lost loved ones in the last couple of years. So that's resonating very deeply in society at the moment. Or it could be about the fact that you feel like you've lost yourself and you don't really know who you are anymore or you're at a crossroads and you want to make a change but you're not quite sure how to do it. Or it could be, you know, loss in in some other kind of way. So some of the lyrics that, I mean, I just think the whole thing is so beautiful. It's sung by my very dear friend Austin Winkler, who used to be the front man of the American rock band Hinder. And we co-wrote it with the CEO of Knox Studios, Revan McQueen. And it was a really emotional day in the studio. We shared a lot about things that we had been through. So it starts off with, I'm looking in the mirror at someone I don't recognize. I'm looking in the mirror at someone I don't recognize. I'm staring at these lonely eyes, but I gotta be strong. And then there's a bit towards the middle where he sings... I'm at the intersection now, and I don't know if I can carry on. I'm at the intersection now. I'm tempted just to turn around. When all I want to do is run, but I gotta be strong. It's making me feel quite tearful even now, because I don't really usually say the lyrics out. And then it kind of ends with, I know that I can carry on. I... I know I will see your face again. I know now that I can carry on. I know I will see your face again. There's never been another soul to save me. And the reason that that is so important to me is that part of my own alchemy journey is that I believed for at least 20 years that I wasn't a creative person. Mm. And even though I've written a book and I've created a business and I've created a home and I've created relationships, that was never enough for me to really believe I'm creative in the kind of, you know, most recognized sense of the word. So the podcast was, I would say, was like a 50% step there. But actually being a songwriter is like just beyond, like it's literally for me, I was a piece of lead that turned into gold. So... That's like such a dream come true. That is so amazing. And thank you so much for sharing with us. I think so many people will be able to relate to that idea that they just believed that they weren't creatives. From a young age, they were told, oh, no, you are so great at numbers. You're definitely not a creative person. And mm. I think you're such a great example of showing how limiting that can be in so many aspects mm. of our life and how much you can change that. Yeah, I mean, the narrative for me was that my teacher said, you're not good at art, so that means you're not creative. And, you know, I had a lot of parental expectation to become a doctor, so I was given the narrative very strongly, you're very good at maths and science. But actually, I was very good at languages. I was very good at history and geography. I was very good at poetry, which actually now makes sense. I've written a song because I was writing, like, you know, poems as a kid, but then I stopped doing that as an adult. So I don't really know what I could have been if I'd just been given the choice of do whatever you want at university and then like, you know, see how it goes. But I also feel very lucky that in my mid-30s, I woke up and thought, okay, I never actually chose what I wanted to do. So now is my chance. And just how much that's evolved in the last 15 years, because, you know, I became a coach, then I became a speaker, then I became an author. 
And now my proudest achievements are podcaster and songwriter. How has your relationship with self changed since you've allowed this creativity to bloom within? (laughs) It's quite early days. I think I'm still a little bit kind of in awe and can't believe it, but very grateful. Definitely want to do more more of it and see where it can go because I think it's very much like I'm a little rosebud at the moment. I've just done these two things with like this amazing team of people who've brought out the absolute best in me. And we've got big plans. So I'm excited to see what next year brings. But I wouldn't normally say this, but it does make you start feeling like there isn't anything I can't do if I really want to. That's making me feel like crying too, because a lot of us spend most of our lives thinking that there are some things that just, it's not for me. You know, I'm just, I'm not that privileged or I'm not from the kind of family or group of people that that can happen to. And I'm very much like dipping my toe into the water, but it kind of like blows that out of the water. What an empowering message. And what would be your words of wisdom or advice for someone who maybe hasn't nurtured that creative side of them? They have a job that isn't what they understand as creative and actually adding some sort of creativity into their life could give them a dimension that would be really helpful for mind, body, soul, happiness. Where would someone start? Well, I remember when I was creating my online course for MIT, which was in the last half of 2020, and I invited some amazing guests to speak, you know, sports people and business people and psychologists. And I invited my friend Sheila Marshall, who's a filmmaker, to talk about creativity. And at that point, you know, it's only two years ago, I was very much, I had recorded the little video on the science of creativity and she just came on and she said, everyone is creative. And I still didn't believe that at this point, like two years ago. She said, but I've also heard in other like, you know, research and stuff that just throw yourself out of your comfort zone, throw yourself into something like just so wildly different from what you think you could do. So basically you could start sketching or painting and I've been doing that for a long time. But she was kind of like, get a group of people together and make a film. And I mean, that would terrify me, the thought of that right now. But I I do feel like that's the best way to immerse yourself in the potential of your creativity. That's great advice. And that MIT course sounds fascinating. Can anybody watch it? Or is it something you have to be at MIT to watch? You don't have to be at MIT. It's at MIT Sloan, which is the business school. And the course is called Neuroscience for Business, so it's mostly about neuroplasticity. It's about, you know, the neuroplasticity of leadership, resilience. There's a section on creativity. There's a whole six-week exercise schedule that goes alongside it and a six-week mindfulness program that goes alongside it. So I think it would be good for anyone that's interested in, in neuroplasticity. And, and I feel like we're all leaders in a way. Like you're, at the minimum, you're the leader of yourself and, you know, mm-hmm. And then there's the whole spectrum of you might be the leader of your family or the leader of a small team or all the way up to the leader of a huge business. We'll put a link to that in the show notes for anyone who is interested. What is a piece of advice that has changed your life since the beginning of Dr. Tara Sword? <laughs> there's a few versions, but the concept is about self-actualization, which has become the best version of yourself that you can possibly be. Don't try to emulate someone else you know, listen to that inner voice rather than getting too much external validation. But it would come down to the one thing, Poppy, that you can be better at than anybody else in the whole world is being Poppy Jamie. And so it's realizing the full potential of that. 
That's a really interesting point and something actually I was thinking about last week, this idea that how do we strengthen self-validation and not be so vulnerable to seeking the validation of others when we're trying to make decisions? I know me, myself, a lot of times in my life, I think I probably have made the wrong decision because Mm -hmm. I was so influenced by looking out for feedback to get Mm -hmm. that nod of encouragement to move forward. So what are the sort of things that we can all do to strengthen that self-actualization? So I want to say that psychologically, that kind of does come with age. I mean, obviously, there are some people who are just very self-actualized in their 20s, maybe. But Carl Jung would say that, you know, individuation happens around the age of 42 to 44. So think of yourself on a journey towards that if you're, you know, not close to that age yet. If after that age, you're not that self-actualized, then you probably need to like actually do more things to try to make that happen. And the things, they're so simple, but, you know, they're practices that you have to be quite diligent about. So two things I would say. One is journaling about your intuition. So every time your intuition speaks to you, you write down what it said, you write down whether you followed it or you followed your logic or somebody else's, you know, external validation. And you keep reading over that every, I do it every six months, but you could do it every three months or every year. And just notice the pattern of what happens when you don't listen to your intuition. And then secondly, also in your journal, where you write a gratitude list, that you change that gratitude list from the usual things which are all external to things that are all internal. So I can't tell you how many years I've been writing on my gratitude list that one of the things I'm grateful for is my creativity when I didn't think I had any. (laughs) (laughs) I probably thought, you know, from the science point of view, I'm good at problem solving and flexible thinking and seeing patterns where they're not obvious, but I didn't think of creativity in the way that I do now but I'm glad that I was writing that the whole time because it must have been having an impact on my brain and you know one of the things that I'm grateful for which I have a tricky relationship with is my vulnerability so Hmm. you know it can be a really good thing but it can also be quite a bad thing and I've had to really work on like getting the balance of that right the comment I made earlier about just you know I'll roll my sleeves up and I'll make it better That's related to my resilience, which I've definitely been writing that in my journal for a long time. So those sorts of things, when you remind yourself every day that you have those tools, it makes you feel so much more like whatever life throws at you, you know what you've got inside you to deal with that. These are such good tips. And I was actually going to finish on asking you the three things you feel most grateful for today. Because especially as we're in this podcast celebrating rest and relaxation, some of the research around writing a grateful diary, especially before you go to bed, has phenomenal impacts on allowing people to get a better quality sleep. So when do you write your grateful practice usually and what would be on it today? Mine can literally be any time of the day. I just kind of do it when I get the urge. So I don't have a strict like do it first thing in the morning or do it last thing at night. I keep my journal like at my desk, which is where I'm sitting now. So literally it could just happen any time of day. I might think, oh, I'll write that into my journal. And so do you want me to say the three things? Yes, I would love that. To me, like the literally the reason to live, like the way to live is just all about love. Like I just want to send out so much love into the universe and I'm very grateful for receiving any love that I receive. So that's pretty much my top one. 
the other one is it's not so internal but I mean I'm an absolute like travel addict so I love traveling and I'm very lucky that I get to travel a lot and that was one of the things that I really struggled with during the pandemic was not being able to travel but then feeling like that was such an overprivileged thing to say but now yeah I'm back out there so it's been fun this year to travel a lot and the third one well I'm gonna say that I'm a creative person (laughs) Yeah, but I'm very, very grateful that yeah, I, have, I got to write this amazing song. Well, thank you so much for unwinding with us, sharing such divine and delightful wisdom and advice and so much food for thought. You've really brought up so many topics that have been on the front of my mind. So thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me back on the podcast, but really specifically for letting me be myself and not just be like the scientist that I was the last time I was on the podcast. Oh, that is such a lovely thing to say. Well, we welcome you with huge open arms and we're, we're so in awe of your work. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed today, please hit subscribe and leave a comment because this helps the podcast so much. I'd be endlessly grateful if you wouldn't mind doing so. My mental health book, Happy Not Perfect, is available to order now. The book teaches you how to be a flexible thinker, a skill that helps you navigate any challenge that might come your way, helps you manage emotions, and helps you thrive to be the bendiest version of yourself. Until next time, I love hearing from you, so do shoot me a message on Instagram, send me a DM with any of your thoughts. Stay safe and well. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com